0: Well, first of all, I want to thank uh, Pastor and Brother John and the church for supporting me in this. Um, I don't take it lightly, preaching anywhere. And um, so, it's on, yes, sir. Um, So, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to uh, Jeremiah chapter 3, that's where, where we will be starting. And the way I've titled this, Sermon is: Are you denying Jesus Christ, or are you rejecting Jesus Christ? Um, there are many ways that you can reject Jesus Christ. Actually, uh, you can be saved and reject Jesus Christ. You cannot be saved and reject Jesus Christ. But uh, let me get to Jeremiah myself. No. All right. Jeremiah chapter three is where we're going. Where we are going to be. And my first point in this sermon is, are you rejecting Jesus Christ, or are you fitting into the wrong crowd? Uh, By doing this, when you uh, fit into the wrong crowd, it's not wrong to fit into a crowd. You can try and fit into a Christian crowd, you can try and fit into uh, people who have good morals for their life, and yet you can, uh, that's a good thing, but when you... Start fitting into the wrong crowd where you start saying the words that are against the Bible or when you start doing things, your actions are against God's word. That's when you need to evaluate, is this the right thing? Am I rejecting Christ by doing this? And in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 23, uh, it says, in verse 23, no, 22, sorry. Return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backsliding. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. Here the children of Israel are backsliding, and when you start fitting into the wrong crowd, when you start doing the wrong thing, that's when you start backsliding, that's when you start uh, straying from the Lord. And by fitting into the crowd, uh, you start losing sight of God. So if I were to take anybody from this crowd and stand face-to-face with them, you could see the detail of them by what color of eyes they have, the shape of their head, what color hair they have, all the details. But when I start walking away, you start seeing the distractions around you. If I'm right here, I can start seeing the crowd. I'll start seeing the stage. I'll start seeing everybody. And you start getting distracted. And by fitting into the crowd, you start getting distracted by doing that. And when you get distracted, you're you're not focused on Christ anymore. That's when you start straying and backsliding as the Israelites did. For an example, uh, that Peter, he denied Jesus Christ three times before the cock crowed. And in Matthew chapter 26, if you take your Bibles there, Matthew chapter 26, we'll be reading verses uh, 69 through 75. Matthew chapter 26. Here, uh, Jesus just got tried uh, for claiming that he was the Messiah and all actuality he was, and I'll give you guys a moment to get there. But Peter is an example of losing his focus point on Christ and trying to fit into the crowd himself. Matthew chapter 26, verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace, uh, hold on, I'm wrong. Uh, in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that they were this fellow, the fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thy speech uh, bewayeth thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Here Peter denied Christ, trying to fit in, saying, I don't know Jesus. I have nothing to do with him. Absolutely nothing. He started cursing. He gave an oath and... By doing this, he started trying to fit into the crowd... ...and making people think, oh, then he's not a Christian if he's doing this. He's definitely not a Christian if he starts cursing. He's not a Christian. And by doing that, you're you're trying to fit into the crowd... ...which is when you start backsliding... ...which gets your focus point, which is on Jesus, off... ...getting distracted by everything else around you. My next point is, uh, are you replacing God... Matthew, chapter 10, verse 37, if you'll take your Bibles and turn there. Matthew, chapter 10. Are you replacing God? And what what I mean by that statement is, are you making God number one in your life, or is something else number one in your life? Are you... Does God have preeminence in your life? And me, personally, I... I had something that was getting in the way of God. I started focusing on basketball. I love this sport. I'll play it. I'll watch it in any way I can. But when I started focusing on basketball and it started taking place of my Bible reading, it started taking place of me not wanting to pray, I'd rather play basketball than pray or read my Bible. That's when I realized I need to evaluate my own life. Matthew chapter 10, verse uh, 37 and 38. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. I remember the example Brother Jody Jenkins gave at camp. He was telling us the alabaster box. How That alabaster box is the most precious thing to you. And when you start gripping it tighter and tighter... ...because you don't want to let go of it... ...because you don't want to give God preeminence in your life... ...that's when you are replacing God... ...and that whatever it is in your life... ...that's when it has preeminence instead of God in your life. And the Bible says, he that loveth father or mother... ...I'm not saying it's wrong to love everybody else around you... ...I'm just saying you should love God more than that person. If God tells you to do something and then, and you know it's from God, yet this person tells you to do something else, God has preeminence, so that means you should do what God says, instead of whatever that person told you to do. And Jesus and the rich young ruler, in Matthew chapter 19, if you'll take your elbows and turn there as well. Matthew chapter 19. This was an example of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus, and... how he had a different preeminence than Christ himself. Matthew chapter 19, we'll be reading verses 16 through 22. I'll give you guys a moment. Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which, Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasures in heaven. treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Here the young rich ruler had money was the number one thing in his life. Money, possessions, everything. All that he had, he didn't want to sell that because he loved it more than Christ. He came to Christ saying, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And he said, Christ said, in a way, go sell everything, give it away, and then come follow me. And he didn't want to do that because he loved the possession, the money more than Christ. And when you are replacing God, it is not a good place to be in because you start losing focus. And you've already lost the focus if that's number one in your life. Point number three is, uh, are you rejecting Christ by uh, rejecting the Holy Ghost and guidance? Ephesians chapter four, if you'll take your Bibles and turn there. Ephesians chapter four. Uh, In this point, I'm trying to say is if the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, if it tells you, I want you to tell this person about the gospel, I want you to do this or that, and you say no, you rejected Christ in a way by doing that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Here, um, grieving the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I've done it myself before by not listening. And when you don't listen and you disobey, you're disobeying God himself. You're rejecting Christ. And by rejecting Christ, it's, I don't know how to put it, it's not a good thing to do. And by rejecting the Holy Ghost, it's. Um, it grieves the Holy Spirit, as it said. And. I don't know what else to say. Wow. Just don't re- reject the Holy Ghost and you won't get the. Uh, I don't know. My next point. Uh, my last point is. In Matthew chapter 12, if you take your Bibles and turn there. Matthew chapter 12 is where we're going to be. We'll be reading there, and then we'll also be in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 12 is where we'll start. Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 and 32. This next point is... Are you rejecting Christ and his salvation? This is the point that I was talking about. You can be saved, and then you can also not be saved by rejecting Christ. And by rejecting Christ, uh, it tells us in Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 and 32. And it says, Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Uh, This one, I have a lot to say, actually, about this one. Uh, Rejecting Christ's salvation, I know personally it's not a good idea, and it's not a good thing to do. By rejecting Christ's salvation, you could be too late. You never know when the next day you're going to live or if you're even going to live the next day. And wh- there's an example that Brother Jody Jenkins gave at camp. He was talking about how a teenage girl went to church with her mom one Sunday. And she was moving around. She was uncomfortable. And she got in the car with her mom. And her mom said, what's wrong? She said, well... um, Christ told me that I needed to get saved, but I didn't. And her mom said, why didn't you get saved? And she, the teenage girl looked at her mom and said, well, you know there's this dance coming up on Wednesday and I want to go to that. So I'll go to the dance and then I'll get saved. What she didn't know is on the way back from the dance she was going to get in a car accident and die. And that was at the point where she was too late of rejecting Christ's salvation. And when you were I did it multiple times rejecting Christ's salvation. And every single time I couldn't sleep. It was every seemed like every single thing that my parents at devotions times when we were at devotions, all they talk talked about was salvation. And I was getting irritated then, I was getting mad, and then when I got settled, I'm being honest. um, and when I did get saved, which was November second, twenty eighteen. They, First of all, I was excited. Second of all, they were excited. And it was a burden lifted up. And I didn't have to deal with me getting mad at them anymore. I didn't have to think, oh, is he talking to me again this service? Or is he going to be speaking about salvation again? And... I'm just glad that I wasn't too late. And me personally, I don't want anybody in this room to be late themselves, because hell is a miserable place. And just by the description, I never wanted to go. And if you're too late, you're going to be there. First of all, the worst thing is having eternal separation from God himself. And a person... Who is too late is in Acts chapter 26, if you'll take your Bibles and turn there. Acts chapter 26. If I can get there myself. Here, Paul is giving his testimony to King Agrippa. And he started from the beginning how he was a. He persecuted the church and the Christian. He uh, held the coats for those who stoned Stephen, and then his conversion, how all of a sudden on his road to Damascus, how he converted all of a sudden, because when he saw Christ. In Acts chapter 26, he's giving his uh, testimony to King Agrippa, and we'll start in verse 27. Uh, And it says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then King Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. King Agrippa is too late. He is he has eternal separation from God forever. And there's no turning back. When you die, you can't go come back to life and then get saved. You can't go to God at the judgment day and say, Can I get saved now? You can't live a wicked life and then just Meet God and God save you right there. It's too late. You have to do it in this present life. And when you're too late, sad to say, you're too late. Uh, by doing this, my point number one is fitting into the wrong crowds. You can dedicate your life and ask God for strength to stand against it for His strength. Point number two if you're replacing God in everyday activity, think. Does this thing that I'm doing honor God or does God want this for me? Point number three is uh, grieving not the Holy Spirit. Just say yes to the Holy Spirit. When he tells you, go talk to that person about salvation, you don't know what they've been going through and that might be the thing that they need. And then the last point, which is rejecting Christ's salvation, just simply accept God's salvation before you're too late. Let's pray. Dear Father, God, I thank you for uh, this opportunity that you've given me, God, to preach, God. I thank you so much for it, God. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, use this message, God. I pray that you'd be with Jared as he preaches, God. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the rest of the service, God. I pray for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.